This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett. As ever, following Manchester United's revenge win over Aston Villa in the League Cup, a game of two halves, it very much was. The first half was absolutely awful. The second half had six goals. Uh, interesting night, Rob. Very interesting night. And uh, and Manchester United facing a bit of adversity on their revenge mission against Aston Villa. So overall, a good result because you move forward into the next round of the Cup. You, you stay valid in... Uh, some hunt for some silverware. Uh, but it was actually quite good to see United, you, you know, kind of make a mess of it to start off with and then sort it out. Because again, I think this is part of the development of the squad is to be able to face these moments and overcome them. Yeah, it's interesting to see. It's happened a few times this season now where United have had a damaging defeat where they played terribly and they've come back. Well, not in the first two games, but they did react to the first two games with a win over Liverpool, obviously. They got back on track after losing to City, Aston Villa as well. They've identified this game as a, a chance to right the wrongs from Sunday. Eric Ten Hag said he was mad at the performance on Sunday. Uh, and I can imagine he was going a little bit mad at halftime as well, as United really didn't do anything in the first half. Uh, but four goals, Anthony Martial back on the score sheet, Marcus Rashford back on the score sheet, Garnacho doing bits off the bench, uh, Christian Eriksen making a difference as well. One game left now before the World Cup. We'll talk about the Fulham game at length in the show today. Uh, we'll talk more about the Villa bit, the Villa game in a bit. We'll talk Victor Osserman and we'll talk World Cup squad announcements as well because Marcus Rashford, Harry Maguire and Luke Shaw have made the England squad for the World Cup. We'll see how much they play. Uh, I think Luke Shaw's in with a good chance of starting as the first-choice left-back, Harry Maguire, too. But there's obviously doubt around other positions. Uh, but plenty of competition in that squad. We'll talk about that later on. Uh, but yes, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods on uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. Tuesdays and Fridays, we're on YouTube as well. So head over to the channel, hit the like button, join the community, subscribe and leave a comment for us. And follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob, underscore B. And at Promise and Mew for the show. Uh, Rob, it is, like I say, one game, one game left before the World Cup. I watched the first half last night and I thought, this is this might happen a lot actually over this weekend as well. There's a lot of players who've been called up to squads. How committed are these players going to be to these games? You, you know, we, did we say the other day that Anthony was like, you're injured, mate. And yet you're jumping around after videoing yourself, jumping around because uh, you've been announced in the Brazil squad and you're still missing from the squads now. Interesting. And a lot of sickness going about, Scott. You know, a lot of coughs and colds. And as someone described it to me yesterday as a lot of man flu happening at football clubs this week. So, yeah, how how, how committed can these players be at, at this time? I know it's really easy to always say, the players will be committed because there's a game coming up and they, they look at that game and that's that. I look at James Justin, 
for Leicester, blowing out his Achilles tendon the other night. And he's the perfect example of our players who maybe are on the fringe or in the conversation or have ambitions to be at a World Cup will be looking at this weekend's fixture and going, not quite sure I'm going to put 100% in today because if I get injured, I'm gone. And this is the problem with this World Cup. This is why I think it's also unfair about the Qatar World Cup being moved to the winter because players are having to think and do different things and diversify. But you will get that this weekend, Scott. There will be some players that will just think, I've got a knock today. I probably could have played through it a few weeks ago, but I need to look after my body here because I want to go to a World Cup. And come on, human-wise, you know, that's kind of understandable, isn't it? I, you know, it, it's difficult professionally. So we'll see this weekend. I'm sure we'll we'll come out of the weekend's fixtures and say, ah, that player didn't look like he was quite into it today, you know, dropping his form. Um, but a lot of these boys are going to be looking just with one eye towards the tournament. Yeah, I thought we saw that in the first half against Villa, but the second half was very different. Mm. Uh, it looked like the shackles were off. I know United conceded. They went behind twice, obviously. Uh, but Bruno Fernandes, bit, bit of a driving force. Uh, Rashford not giving up on chances. That's how he ended up scoring his goal. Uh what was the, what's the difference there, do you think? Because it was a different team that we saw in the second half. I think the difference is also is just know-how, is that in the second half and with the substitutions, you saw Ten Hag go back towards that 4-1-5 four, four, uh, that I talk about all the time. Like A lot of people said to me, what are you talking about? 4-1-5, it's not 4-1-5. But it is a 4-1-5 because Casemiro is like the base player and McTominay was doing that job for a long time yesterday in the match. And I think we're going to see United repeat that version of 4-3-3 now every week. That's kind of what the manager wants to do. So all I think it was in the second half was a bunch of players with the substitutions that know how to play that better and play higher up the pitch. First half, you had Fred and uh, Donny van der Beek being your two number eights or the players pushing that, that grid system forward. It's like they might as well not have been there. You know, Fred's running around like a headless chicken. Donny van der Beek not running around at all. Just a weird blend, a weird chemistry. And once you managed to change that later on in the game, it wasn't a change of tactics, just a change of personnel. You had better players on, players who were drilled in this a lot more than some of those fringe players. Yeah, Ten Hag said in his post-match that in the first half, they missed the opportunity to pass the ball because nothing really changed. But there was a moment where I don't know if you noticed it, but Marcus Rashford was running in behind on the left side just after the halfway line. And yeah. Fred took like four touches. He, he could have taken like... two and passed it. And yeah. Rashford ended up offside. And that was, I think, what Ten Hag was talking about. But I was shouting at Fred as, as he had the ball. I had time to say, pass it, pass it. You can see what's on. Yeah. He could have released it. However early he released it, Rashford was in behind. And uh, Ten Hag changed that in the second half. Obviously, you can see there's so many like deficiencies in the squad that will need to be addressed over time that we need more of those players, you know, more of those Ericsons, less of the Freds with... <laughs> he, he, put a, he, he put a cross in at one point as well. It just went out of play and I was like, oh my God, like really? Uh, more quality needed in midfield, more depth in quality. Definitely. And I think with, with Ten Hag now, we are seeing, as I said, it's all variations of 4 3 3 eventually. That's kind of what, what it comes down to is that you're seeing a very defined Dutch system or Dutch approach that you get a six, you've got an eight, 
and you've got a 10 in midfield. And they've all got those responsibilities to make those parts of the positions work and tick. So, as I said yesterday, Fred was really the eight. Donnie was moving into the 10 role. But then you have to say, right, what's your productivity in that? It was before, you, you know, under Solskjaer of the managers, United playing the double pivot and playing 4-2-3-1. You didn't have any responsibility. Your responsibility was just to run around, spoil, get the ball and get it going the other way. That was kind of it. There was no nothing intricate about it, nothing special. Now these players have been asked to do other roles. And I think kind of some of them being exposed and some of them are rising to the challenge, but maybe not the players that, you'd want to in terms of the fringe so as we just said there I think Donnie and Fred are two players who really look like you know fishes out of water in in Ten Hag's tactics you would expect Donnie van der Beek to know what this manager wants wouldn't you considering that he played under him at Ajax but I just think we're coming to the end days of Donnie with this I just as a 10 you would have thought he'd have thrived in this system with Bruno off him playing towards towards the right no just not enough touches, not involved enough, not confident enough. Just, you know, he looks like, a well, the World Cup's coming out. Even though I'm not going, I'm just going to get into training for six weeks. And that's my focus. You would like him in a football match, wouldn't you, to do something a little bit more to, to at least show United fans that he's a viable midfield selection. That's been that's been the story of Van der Beek's spell. Two years. So Two years. I was thinking it yeah. last night. Like I was thinking, one, I was thinking, is Fred really Brazilian? He looks like he's from Newport Pagnell. That's what I was thinking. That was an actual thought yesterday. And then when you look at, uh, at Donny van der Beek, he's Dutch and knows the manager so well, but can't play this Dutch system. It's odd. There's, there's, not, there's something, there's nothing like you can put together with these two players. They should be better at what they do. As you said, Fred playing that ball through into the channel you don't need to be a ball player to do that. You just need to be a footballer. That's all you need to be. So, you know, big question marks on those two. But I think you showed, like, I think Scott McTominay played really well at the base. And then when he had to play further up the pitch, played really well as the eight. And you thought, there's there's hope for Scott McTominay, even though he gets a lot of flack. He's a better footballer in that midfield than those other two. Did you see after McTominay scored, uh, he... He was on the ground. He broke his leg. Well, he was clutching <laughs> his hamstring and somebody was on top of him celebrating with him. And know, he was, he was, it, going, it was either cramp or he's pulled his hamstring. I'm not sure what uh, I'm not sure of the latest on that actually. Could do with him as an option for uh, for Sunday. But yeah, the you know, there's suggestions that United are getting better and clicking here and there, and there's just encouraging signs that when Eric Ten Hag comes out and says before the match that I want revenge that the players eventually, because it didn't happen straight away, eventually will react and respond and look to put right the wrongs that have happened. And we were not seeing that last season. So we all know, like I'm sure everybody listening to this, if you're a United fan knows that this is going to be a long process, but we are starting to see foundations built and attitude change. looks like the players are, really behind Ten Hag and buying into what he's doing. They're responding where necessary, not playing perfectly at the moment. They need little bits and pieces added to the squad, obviously. But if they can beat Fulham on Sunday, I think we can look back at this first period of the season and say, all right, pretty successful for what we were expecting. Yeah, completely. And I think as well, you know, you just talk about Eric Ten Hag there. Uh, I think it was really 
pertinent a couple of weeks ago when Casemiro was talking about the manager and made that comment. We've we've talked a lot of this kind of in the industry about how a player views a manager, a new player comes in and looks, and him talking about Ten Hag being obsessed with winning and how he he really gravitated towards that. It's like the first thing he said, like this manager wants to win at all costs. So when Eric Ten Hag used the word revenge twice yesterday in his pre-match presser, talking about that, obviously you said he was upset with the result, weren't we all at Villa Park? It was a bad performance. But like everything, you've got the chance to get revenge. You've got the chance to rectify these things. And I think this is what we're seeing with United is that it isn't perfect. It's not going to be perfect this season at all. But if you get some endeavour and you get some players who actually care, Scott, you get there eventually. You know, you find ways of winning football matches. And that's what last night was about, was finding a way. Your your attack was changed last night because you were forced. Cristiano, he's sick, not very well before a World Cup. Bit of man flu, not in the squad. And then you bring in Martial and you play Rashford through the middle later on in the game. And guess what? It worked and it worked really well. So I think that this is, again, the way the club will move forward with these two as your, as your striking options. And I'm OK with that for now. Of course, you still need a number nine. But I think Rashford can score you goals from the left and the middle. And I think that Martial just made everything make more sense in the second half, didn't they? I just think how he plays the game helps those around him. We've not seen Martial effectively at all this season since the no. start of preseason. Little bits here and there. Obviously, I think he's contributed at times when he's been when he's been playing, but we've very rarely seen him. And not, most fans who of most people who don't follow United look at Martial and think, you know, he's done. But most United fans who know how Eric Ten Hag wants to play know that Martial would be starting every game up front pretty much if he was fit. Uh, encouraging to see him get his goal. Encouraging to see him get some minutes. You'd maybe expect him to start against Fulham as well, given he had, he had those minutes and Ronaldo is ill. Ronaldo's going to the World Cup. It'd be it's a pretty simple choice for Ten Hag, really, isn't it? There's a there's an excuse for him this weekend. Like, oh, Ronaldo's getting ready for the World Cup, you know. Uh, yeah. And hopefully Martial can be back fi- fit and firing, so he'll have that mid-season break with the with the team as they go to Spain as well. Yeah, I don't want to put my neck on the line and say we will not see Ronaldo this weekend, but I don't think we will. I think I think I think that you know he'll he'll be at home, you know, nursing that cold, and will probably want to be ready for his flight to Qatar. But I think with Martial, when, this is this is kind of only just an observation in terms of body language and, and approach. He's always had, all the time he's been at United, a kind of bit more of a mean and moody approach. You know, he's not a smiler, doesn't ever look particularly happy, doesn't look content always looks a little bit on edge. Anthony Martial is very happy at the moment. You can see in the warm-up, he was there burying the football and smiling and laughing and joking with his teammates. And you're like, that's not the player that I've seen for years at United. He just looks so comfortable in what he's doing in his own skin. So he's been out injured. You hope that in the next six weeks, fitness can be built while he's away from the World Cup and with Manchester United. But just to see that, to see a player smile and look relaxed in what he's being asked to do, that might be the key for Anthony Martial. Because I think when you look at all the managers all the way back to Ten Hag and you look at Mourinho, there was never that kind of cohesion between the managers and and like the factor of, of love. It wasn't there with the player and manager ever. Had runs, but 
just wasn't present. I think you see that now. You see, he knows that this manager believes in him. And if he gets minutes, he's going to prove it. I thought his goal last night was really good because it was just a striker's goal, wasn't it? We arrive late into the box. Bruno does the work, slides it across. You get one chance, put it in the net. Goal. That's what we're not seeing from darling Cristiano Ronaldo. We're not seeing that at all. So I think that, that this is a good sign moving forward. We've just got to get Martial fit. Of course, Marcus Rashford has been one of United's players of the season so far. We'll talk about international <clears throat> commitments in a, in a second, but he said after the game last night, and this is, I'm not sure, am I misremembering this, Rob? But Rashford was asked outright, where do you prefer to play? And he said, I feel more comfortable on the left or on, I feel more comfortable out wide, I think is how he put it. But I do like to make that run inside through the middle. And I do. He does end up getting a lot of chances to score a lot, a lot of goals in that in that part of the pitch as well. Yeah, yeah. But there's been some suggestions over the years, over the last few months as well, that he prefers being the nine. Am I am I misremembering this, or has this ever been cleared up before? It's not been cleared up, but he has said in the past, going back two, three, four years ago, that he would like to be a striker. That's what he said. I would like to be the nine. I would like to play through the middle. I like to score lots of goals. But I think when you're 19, 20, 21, that's okay. Like, I, th I think you get attacking players who talk like that, you know, they want to big themselves up. We know with Marcus, his problem has always been finishing. But when you actually look at his metrics and his numbers, they're actually quite good. He finishes pretty well. It's just that sometimes he needs an extra opportunity to put it in the net. So last night you saw that. There was one chance where he kind of, he arced into the middle, he got his chance and he just clipped the post. And it was like, got to finish those markers you've really got to finish those and then 10 minutes later he gets another chance and puts it in the net and it was actually a better finish it was a real striker's finish a little flick to the side looked up saw what he had in front of him and put it in the place where the goalkeeper just could not stop it so it's a difficult thing with, with Marcus Rashford because I think again modern wide players are kind of centre forwards these days they're just that's what they are they start in the half space they arc into the middle and someone who's got a pass on them makes that pass and puts it in front of them. That's Cody Gakpo at, at PSV is that kind of player. He's not a classical left winger or something like that. So even Garnacho, I think, to an extent, I think that's where he'll end up being, that kind of player. Somebody who plays quite narrow, gets the ball, but is able to make that run and arc through the middle. Wingers of the, of the old days just wouldn't do that, would they? They wouldn't come inside and arc into the middle. They'd go on the outside and try and overlap. Anthony tries to come inside, doesn't he, on his left? So I think we'll see more of that in Ten Hag system in years to come. And I think, I, th I think again, Martial and Rashford are just perfect to interchange, aren't they? You put Rashford through the middle for his pace and bring Martial back out to the left for a bit of trickery to link up. It's, it's good times, I think, for, uh, for Ten Hag, as long as he can keep players fit and move the system forward. You mentioned Garnacho there. Obviously, a lovely cross for Scott McTominay's goal. Yeah. Uh, pinpoint. Also, he just, he's starting to look like he's ready for more, isn't he? Uh, impressive little cameo from him last night. He's very exciting. He does a lot of things that which get people off their seats. He's starting to bed. He wasn't great on Sunday, but he's starting to bed in and starting to feel like he's a part of the team. And I'm sure now that we'll see him maybe for the remainder of the season playing. I'm not sure, like obviously Sancho's injured at the moment. We'll talk about him in a little bit and what this means, but 
United have a lot of options on that in that part of the pitch. And I think he now is one of them, isn't he? Oh, 100%. And I think that when you look at Garnacho, you know, and I don't want to say uh, all the time, oh, we said so, but we've always said, give him minutes, see how it goes. You know, if you get the opportunity, play the boy and see what happens. And I think that's just where we stand at the moment is that he's played these minutes and he's proving very, very quickly that at 18 years old, he's better than pretty much all your other options at the moment on that side. So I, I don't think that he is an automatic starter or anything like that. We're only obviously days away from all the the squads being announced for the World Cup. He was in Argentina's long list squad. So he's got the chance of going to Qatar. And I think that that would be a really good experience for him at this stage. But I also think that if he doesn't go, that's not too much of a problem, is it? He can go with the squad to Spain. He can carry on this kind of uh, trajectory that he's now on at Manchester United. And I'm just really excited about him because he's just an individual that can still do the tactics. He can still play this 4-3-3. He can still play all the other versions of that. He can play high up the pitch. He can actually drop a little bit deeper and help the fullback. He's just a really talented boy. And I think we're very lucky to have him. Because again, this is a, you know, if Garnacho comes through, Scott, in the next year or so and shows that he's a top, top player, that's 100 million saved. It really is. And you go and spend that money elsewhere in positions that you really do need to spend the money on. So Garnacho is very much a bonus. But I do think that he is going to become a, an integral part of Eric Ten Hag's team in the next six months. So... How does this affect Jaden Sancho then? Because uh, we, we do want to talk about him. We'll talk mm. about him in the context of the World Cup squad announcement. So England squad was announced on Thursday. As I mentioned earlier in the show, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, Marcus Rashford, the United's three representatives. For England, there are obviously a ton of other players. I think United are among the teams that have in the in the league that have the most players actually go into the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure how it stacks up ultimately, but they, they do have a lot of representatives. Jaden Sancho was not mentioned, considered, or even like in the frame at all. Uh, massive fall off. And you're looking at uh, Garnacho and how he's progressing at the moment. We just talk- talked about Marcus Rashford preferring to work from wide. What does this mean for him? Because I, he's obviously, we know he's not been up to scratch. He'll probably admit that himself. He's not been getting to grips with things. He's not showing his best. There's been like little glimmers here and there he can play on both sides but obviously his preferred side is that left slot so now you've got Garnacho, Rashford Sancho interested in Gakpo Martial can play there as well or he did on Sunday where is he how, how somebody asked me on Twitter after after the game like what does that mean for him because there's a lot of competition for places and that part of the pitch is probably one of the most competitive places on the pitch to be playing in So what does he need to do from here? Because he was not in the frame for England at all. He needs to start playing well, Scott. Like it really is as basic as form, isn't it? He started the season really well. He was was really good in pre-season. You could see that he looked refreshed. He looked ready. We had some good performances in the first weeks of the season. You know, when United were not playing so well, but it was kind of like, well, Jaden Sanchez playing all right. That's a real positive. And what's happened, it's flipped. United's form has improved. And he's gone on the decline. I think with Jaden Sancho, we know that several weeks ago that he he had illness, that he had problems. 
I don't think that that's improved. So I think the, the injury report kind of said the other day again that he was ill again. So I don't know what that means. I don't know that is just taking him out the firing line or he can't train for a reason or something or the other. But where it leaves him is a kind of, you know, a bit of a white elephant in the squad. You know, he's on a huge wage because he's one of our top players. We talk about him in terms of maybe taking Cristiano's number seven in time to come. But will Jaden Sancho even be in the team? And it's a valid question because at the moment, Garnacho gives you more Ten Hag things than Sancho. So Sancho's a baller. Sancho's a street footballer. Sancho grew up in cages in South London playing the game. Fine. But Garnacho is giving you what you need on the left and Sancho isn't. It just means that Sancho will not play. I've heard some people say, well, why didn't you play Sancho in the Bruno role? Play him as a 10, you know, because he's a baller and he can do No, he's never played as a 10. Never played as a 10 at Dortmund. Has never played as a 10 at Manchester United. So you can't just invent things to get players in the team, can you? Just because they're one of your top players. Jaden Sancho needs to be better. It's as simple as that. Again, these next six weeks, get fit, get healthy and show Garnacho. You're still second to me. I'm still the starter on the left. But you've got to prove it, haven't you, Scott? If you don't prove it, you deserve to sit on the bench. It's the same argument about Cristiano and players like that. doesn't matter how much you earn. If you don't impact the team positively, you should not play. Someone else gets a chance. Garnacho's 18. He's just a kid. But he's showing that he wants that chance. He's showing he's ready. Jaden Sancho, on the other hand, that Manchester United shirt weighs very, very heavy on his back. It's a shame. Uh, we were hoping, obviously, to see the best of Jaden Sancho. It did start out, as you mentioned there, Rob, pretty well, but it's not gone well since and it has flipped around. But Sancho is not a part of the England squad. There are several players who are. No goalkeeping options, I don't think, but you've got Diogo Dallo, you've got Varane, Maguire, Lindelof, Martinez, Shaw, Malassia, Casemiro, Tomine, Fred, Eriksson, Bruno Fernandes, I'm sure I'm missing players here. Garnacho still in the frame. It'd be a surprise if he went with Argentina for me. Uh, but, you know, there's always that 26-person squad, you know. The Theo Walcott is what we've uh, what we've talked about yeah. at 90 min over the last few days. Sometimes one of them can make it in, and Garnacho would be a good a good shout for Argentina for that. You've got Ronaldo going, you've got Rashford going. ton of players, so that's a large chunk of United's lot. Uh how are you feeling around in a from a club football perspective? Do you think that if these go particularly badly, that it could have an adverse effect on the players when they come back? Because there's a, a round of League Cup games. I'm not saying England will get to the final here, but I made this point last night. The games that round actually starts on the 19th, or the week commencing mm. the 19th, 20th, and and the finals on the 18th. <laughs> so the World Cup is just plonked in the middle for a month and then is straight back to club football afterwards and United will play Burnley in the next round of the uh, of the League Cup. But yeah, do you think this could have a potential adverse effect on... It's really, it's so random, isn't it? It is really random. But, you know, I think, I think yesterday when I was doing the maths, United, there's only six of the core squad or players that I would say kind of in the rotation who are not going to the World Cup either because their form's bad or because the country didn't quite make it. So Victor Lindelof, for instance, playing games, but Sweden didn't quite make it. You've got six there who are not going. It's, it's, if, if, it's, if it wasn't Eric Ten Hag, 
at the helm of the ship, then I would be a little bit worried going into six weeks. But I actually think that Ten Hag will get down into the detail and do work with the team that that maybe we haven't seen. So we'll take those six away from Jaden Sancho, obviously being one of them, and start to find ways to get better form out of them. I think if it's Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I would have thought this next six weeks would have been some kind of elongated holiday because we've saw that with Ole, that when there was time in between games and he could have done more stuff, he actually sent them all away and said, go and have a break for a week. No, train harder. That's what I want to see in the middle of a season. So not too worried about it. I, I just think that the issue always going to be, Scott, with the World Cup is that players are going to pick up an injury here and there. Someone's going to get a serious injury or be out for a period of time or come back with a knock that then affects their second half of the season. That is inevitable. That is not something we can kind of you know dig into at this stage. That does worry me a little bit because I always think United have bad luck with internationals. It just seems to happen. Like I really don't want to watch France's games. Why? Because I do not want to see Varane play football. <laughs> I don't want to see Varane limp around a football pitch trying to win a World Cup. I would rather Varane was ready for us when we get going again, you know, straight after Christmas. But I think it, you have to expect as well, Scott, that a lot of that World Cup, World Cup contingent are not going to be ready for that first game when they come back. They're going to be tired unless their nation gets knocked out in the group stages. Mm-hmm. So, you know, look at England. So like, let's take Rashford as an example. Rashford might go. I think Rashford will start games for England. I think he'll play a lot of minutes for England. But if England inexplicably get knocked out at the earliest stage, then they'll be back home early. They'll be tra- They'll be at the training camps and they'll be kind of having their little bit of rest in between maybe a week or so and get going again. That's okay. But the further your players go in this tournament, the worse it's going to be for Manchester United. So I look at Argentina, and I think Argentina are, are one of the favourites for the competition. Do, do you have a do you have a pick? Argentina for me, because I think not because of Messi at all, but I think this is Messi's last chance, really is. But this Argentina team are are just on a huge unbeaten run, and you look at their individual players in the squad. Even our boy Martinez, you know, our you know our butcher at the back and they look really good and I think Argentina are, are the team that that should go to his favorites in 2018 I tipped France because of the same reason I looked at France and I thought they look ready to win this tournament there's other good teams like Belgium and whatnot England you can go on forever but I think Argentina for me and gone actually just saying there that the Theo Walcott uh thing I was I was talking to someone about this the other day I remember when Walcott got announced everyone was like because he never played a game for Southampton. Like, he literally hadn't kicked a ball. But Garnacho is going into this with form in the Premier League, in tournaments, isn't he? He looks really good. He looks viable. I would be taking him and playing him off my bench. So, uh, hopefully, Garnacho will go to the tournament. And, and if Argentina win it, what an experience that will be for the boy to, to be alongside Lionel Messi in probably the greatest moment in Argentina history of their one of their great players post-Maradona, obviously the greatest ever, to go and do it. And the final footnote in the Messi versus Ronaldo debate, uh, Garnacho might fall out of favour with Cristiano when he gets back to Carrington if he's seen cuddling Lionel Messi at the World Cup. Yeah, you look at that Portugal. I, I, I'm I, thinking Argentina or Brazil. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably talk about this in a, next week or something as we get closer to the World Cup. Uh, but this might be the last time Portugal are terrible at a tournament. <laughs> you think of... Uh, Ronaldo at 37, commanding a starting place in the team. How many tournaments he got left? He got 
Fernando Santos, his manager, criticized often for the way he plays football and a generation of players, some at their peak, some in their great, you know, their perfect ages and a generation of players coming through as well that are just amazing. So uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe it'll be a Ronaldo versus Messi uh, duel at some point during. Uh, I'm if I pick one, I pick Brazil. Anyway, uh, let's uh, let's move on. With Fred in midfield. With Fred in midfield. Let's see. <laughs> you just tipped a team to win the World Cup with Fred in midfield. So can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine that? World Cup winner Fred. It's like World Cup winner uh, Cleberson. Cleberson. Like, exactly. Does, these things do happen. A <laughs> uh, couple more points before we round off today's show. Do a little bit of transfer talk. Victor Osserman linked with uh, Man United this week on the radar of United as they do look for another centre forward. I don't think this one will be a January thing. It'll probably be a next summer thing. Uh, but we were talking off air, Rob, about United's interest in him and how potentially he is a gettable option because obviously Napoli do very, very well in Italy at the moment, doing well in the Champions League as well. But that next step generally for players is to the Premier League. And you look mm-hmm. at Man City who have Erling Haaland, they don't need another striker. Liverpool, who just bought Darwin Nunes, they might need another striker, but can they afford another striker when they want a midfielder like Jude Bellingham? Real Madrid, you know, I think they want Mbappe at some point. Maybe, what I'm basically trying to say is, I think United might have a good shot at this. Yeah, I think landing destinations, you kind of put all the pieces of the puzzle together there. And that is, uh, I think Osman will end up in the Premier League. It's a natural destination. It's just where does he go? Um, if you to believe that Nkunku is going to go to Chelsea or that deal is done, um, again, it kind of it limits his options. And I think Manchester United are becoming more attractive. I really do. I think under Ten Hag, just both in style of play and just in attitude on the football pitch. I think one of the problems with Man United over the last year or two is that the, the, the complete lack of, of kind of functionality in the team under Solskjaer and what you could do probably put a few players off you know didn't put everyone off still players did arrive but I think when you look at someone like Osman I think he'd want to win I think he is almost like the most imperfect perfect candidate for United what do I mean by that and that is that he doesn't solve everything that you want to do but my god the boy can put the ball in the net and he can play your system so if he can do those two things you can coach him through being Cristiano's successor. You can find ways. And I, and I think this is the way it has to be, is that you have to have options up top, not just one or two. And I think this has been Man United's problem for a long time, is that the first 11 almost picks itself, but not picks itself because it's good, just because it doesn't have options. So you pick, so players under Solskjaer played because that was the players you trusted. I think Ten Hag's getting to that stage as well now, where he's seeing the players that could really do, that do stuff for him. But can he get a number nine that just boosts your attack and takes you to the next level? United have to decide whether they do some business in January or whether they save the coin for later on in the summer. It might be a case, obviously, that the major signings like an Osman come next summer. You might have to do something in January. But it's just all about now what's available after the World Cup. I get the feeling as well, Scott, I've said this. I think there are going to be some strange transfers happen after the World Cup simply because some players are going to be right at the top of their value because they've had a good World Cup. And there's going to be a need from some clubs like Manchester United to score more goals or do something else like more more kind of bodies in midfield or something like that or needing a right back. 
So it's a wait and see, but I like Osman. I think he's a, you know, he's done so well at Napoli and, and I just, I would love to see him in the United shirt. Like he's getting one. I, I don't get too high about individual players, but I just think about him at the top end of the attack with what we've got. And then maybe if we buy another midfielder, yeah, you're suddenly thinking not top four anymore, maybe top two. Let's push on next year. Uh, as you just said, there, Liverpool in the, in the midst of selling their football club, that is going to affect them next year, definitely. But then on the flip side, you've got Newcastle, haven't you? Who will probably become a superpower in European football. I've got no doubt about that. Um, yes, please, Osman, let's get that deal done quickly. If you can imagine if Eric Ten Hag can get the most out of Garnacho Rashford on the left, Sancho Anthony on the right, Martial as an understudy or an alternative to Victor Osman. It's a decent front six, to be and fair. Garnacho. You know, this is the thing. You've got attackers. You've just got to get... Like, do you know, we said this, haven't we, in weeks gone by, and they said we don't want to keep going back to Cristiano because we don't. It's boring. But when you've got a fluid attack, like United showed last night, you score four goals. You've got that fluid attack. It, it actually already belongs to you. You've just got to play them and do it when people are not injured. That's literally it. So I know that there's that debate about what do you do if United's attack? You don't actually have to do a lot. You just need to go and get that number nine that maybe helps you. And someone like Osserman, and he's not the only player in the world. Like there are other players. And I, I would quite like Nkunku. I really like him. I think he'd he'd be sensational in the Premier League. Um, but you'd have to fight Chelsea for that one. But there are players out there that can make your attack better without a lot of thought. Like you just say, like, that number nine does that. He scores goals. He runs that channel. He'll help you press. Oh, whoopie, do you winning more football matches? It's kind of as simple as that. Harry Kane. <laughs> we talked about him a few well, look, this, Yeah, look, Harry Kane is going to come back onto the agenda. We will be talking about Harry Kane in a week's head because I do think that depending on what happens with Tottenham in the immediacy and maybe over the next six months, Harry Kane has to decide whether he feels Tottenham Hotspur match his ambitions in wanting to win trophies. Does Harry Kane want to end his career as one of those players like Steven Gerrard, who never won the Premier League? Does he want that and to be told that for the rest of his life? I don't think he does. So, you know, where does he get that opportunity? Well, not at Man City and probably not at Liverpool. So after that, after Spurs, like, where do you go? It's not Arsenal, is it? You know, so Chelsea, maybe, because Chelsea have the money. Man United have the money. And they are your kind of next stop, you know, if you want the stage. So Harry Kane, I think, is very much on Man United's radar. Let's see what he does at this World Cup. Because, again, if he wins a golden boot, there's going to be a few people knocking on his door. Bayern linked with him, obviously. But I yeah. think he does want that Premier League goal-scoring record. So never, ever know. Uh, let's look ahead. Final part of the show. Speaking of strikers, suggestions Alexander Mitrovic is out of Fulham versus Manchester United. I don't know for sure, uh, but that will be good news. He's been definitely suffering from some injury problems over the last few weeks. There is a World Cup on the agenda for Serbia as well. On the, Obviously, United put in a terrible performance at Villa last week. Fulham are in good form this season, have a good... They're playing above their station, but they do have some good players. Andreas Pereira <laughs> in the ten. Uh, the preseason Perlo has managed to extend his preseason <laughs> uh, spell of good form a little bit longer than that. Uh, but this is a game that United should be winning. If all things go well, they should be winning it. And like we said earlier, Rob, if they do win it, Newcastle and Chelsea play each other, you know, 
if United do win, they're in the mix. They pro- I think they probably end up being fifth. I don't think they can get in the top four now because they lost last week. But they'll be in the mix going into Christmas and going into the World Cup. And that's all you can ask for, really, isn't it? Yeah, but I think with this game, it's a tale of caution because this is a different kind of Fulham to one maybe we've seen in years gone past of, of, of yo-yoing up and down the division. Now, obviously, their, their league position shows that. But I think more than that, we talk about Andres Pereira. And let's just hope he's not the story at the end of the match because I think the way he's played the number 10 position this year is exactly the way we always wanted him to see to play number 10 at United. That was really what we wanted from him. And he never kicked on. He never got the minutes. He went on loan a million times, never really did it. When he went to Fulham, I think a lot of us said, well, good move for him, but he's not going to get in Fulham's team either. You know, he's just, he's probably not good enough. And he's proving that he is the playmaker of that team. You know, go and look at the fantasy league numbers. You know, they're all there. You know, he's he's a perennial fantasy league pick this year because of what he's doing in that in the front of that midfield. So yeah, would be really good news if Mitrovic isn't playing. And Mitrovic, with a World Cup coming up, might not want to play this game. Just might not be interested if he's got a knock. He did have a knock before, so I get the feeling that he might be missing or on the bench or something like that. So, uh, a tough game for United because I think that Fulham have proved it this year that they can, you know, pretty much go with any team in the Premier League. They can stand up and fight. It's just that United need to just be the best versions of themselves. I know we will say this: if United go out and play the best they can do, and we haven't got any players thinking about World Cups looking forward which we've got a lot of them, then I think United will obviously get three points here. But this Fulham team uh, deserves some more respect, I think, than, say, Man United fans would normally give them. Yes, uh, United in fifth place, three points off the top four, with a game in hand uh, going into this weekend's round of games, the last round of games before Mm. the World Cup. Tottenham play Leeds, Newcastle play Chelsea. Chelsea are two points behind United. Brighton are in the mix as well. Liverpool play Southampton and Fulham are in ninth. Uh, it's a good opportunity for them. But yes, we'll see how United can do. We'll see what they manage to pull off. Hopefully it's a three points and everyone can just go away happy. That It's a job decently done. I wouldn't say well done, but good progress. Good signs to start with. If we lose, we'll, we'll have another conversation on uh, Tuesday, Rob, about <laughs> just how well it's gone. But we can, as, as we said through the show, we can see like imprints and like little areas of difference and things that we need to improve on still, but things that have got better since the start of the season as well under Eric Ten Hag. We'll wrap up, Rob, in a second. In, any final thoughts from you before this weekend's games? Now, I do think that the manager will be saying to his players exactly what you said there is like, get this one done, get the three points any way you can, and we can kind of all part company with smiles on our faces. And I can say, good luck to you. Good luck to you at the World Cup. I hope you win the World Cup with England, Marcus. Goodbye. And then we come back in six weeks and we get going again. And you kind of have this natural stopgap. But I've been happy with what I've seen with this manager. I think that he he continues to kind of do the right things and say the right things. And I do think that his team is becoming a reflection of him. So I think that that is the biggest kind of check mark of this early part of the season to see that Ten Hag in a relatively short space of time have taken some underachievers, not all of them, but some of them, and made them into proper players with a new set of signings. And we've got new heroes at Manchester United and new impetus. Let's go get ourselves a striker. 
we can suddenly become challengers once again. Yes, indeed. Thanks for listening, everyone. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. And watch us on YouTube twice a week on Tuesdays and Fridays as well. So head over to the channel, The Promised Land, a Manchester United podcast. Like every video that we've ever done, leave a comment. Leave 10 comments on every video that we've ever done. Get in touch with us as well. Join the community. Subscribe, obviously. Get in touch with us on Twitter too, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. We'll be back on Tuesday uh, to reflect on the Fulham game, the half season as a whole, maybe the third of a season. I'll say the third of a season as a whole uh, and look forward from there. Uh, I will be out at the World Cup, so we might have to pause <laughs> for a couple of weeks as uh, the World Cup takes over from the week after. Uh, but yes, uh, we'll be back for two shows next week, hopefully, and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thank you again, Rob, and we'll catch you very soon. Have a great weekend. <laughs>